right. Thank you, Jesus. It's so bright. I'm trying to look at David Leba, and I can't. David, I got this haircut for you. This is my David Leba haircut. Um, anyway, I'm AJ. I'm part of the family of affection here. Um, I don't understand why that's so funny. Uh, I wanted to share about evangelism. Amen. We've got some fancy people coming in. Oh, I see you. Amen. Um, so, yeah, Dennis, he talked to me about sharing about evangelism. Um, he believes it's one of my primary gifts. He's like, he's like my family in Dallas that really emphasizes that I'm called to be an evangelist. They started prophesying that over me when I was a teenager. And um, so I wanted to share some encouragement that this is a season to share the gospel. Amen? Kathy, is that an amen from you? Um, it's a time to say, God, I want to make myself available because in a time of darkness, God wants to release his glory. And all of you are going to be used for that. Many of you are called to the marketplace. Many of you are called, you know, maybe some of you are called to full-time ministry where actually one of my prayers for the Bridge Church is that we would have a full-time staff. I'm talking about a full-time paid staff where they don't have to worry about hustling during the week. They can serve the Lord with freedom and really seek the Lord on, on what he desires for us. Amen? But I want to share a little bit about what it means to share the gospel, especially if you're not in ministry. Yeah. I was just uh, sitting next to my friend Chuck, uh, Charles, uh, Chuck Hayes. We were at my birthday party, and I had, I had brought some, uh, I had invited a bunch of friends, some, some non-Christian friends came, and um, it's not you, Ryan. I clearly know you're born again. <laughs> Um, I love the way Ryan thinks it's her. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole story on Ryan, but we won't get to it. But it's interesting. I had a Hindu friend that came to the birthday party. And at the birthday party, about 90 people. I know that sounds extravagant, but I'm an extravagant man. Um, we had Bridge family, and then we had Piop family. So I'm part of the Pasadena International House of Prayer. And all of them were hanging out together. And we had... Uh, believers hanging out with those who are non-practicing Jewish uh, people, uh, Hindu people, uh, just non-Christians. And one of the conversations is, Chuck had a conversation with my friend Hanuk, and, and Hanuk uh, is, is traveling to Colombia. Uh, yesterday he flew out, and he said, will you pray for me? And I was like, you know what? I've prayed for this man a lot. I'm going to give him something to pray. So I sent him Ephesians 1.17, that God, our Father, would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. We would know the hope of his calling, the inheritance he has in saints, meaning people who would believe, and it would be manifested according to his great power. And he texted me back, and I also called him too. He said, you know what? I'll pray that. So he's learning as somebody who's not a believer saying, God, I want to encounter you. And it happened because of a seed that he planted and many others have planted. Um, 
So I really want to encourage you to take a moment uh, during this time where we're together sharing and talking about where are we at on God's calendar. So where are we at, David Leba, on God's calendar? I love his interaction. Um, because we are experiencing darkness. Isaiah declares that there will be a great darkness that fills the earth. Do you understand that? That there will be pressures. There will be fear. There will be offense. There will be lust. There will be deception. That's actually happening right now. I know we enjoy relationship here. We have friendship here. I've always enjoyed that. One of the first things that I noticed about the church culture at the bridge is there is friendship. There's communion. There's community. But God is saying, hey, there's darkness coming to the earth. And it's a great darkness. And, and things are going to get worse. Actually, we're, uh, we're approaching the end times. The time of Jesus' return. Do you know that? How do we know that we're in the generation of his return? Israel became a nation, 1948. How do we know? That's a clear sign from the Bible. How do we know that we're in the time of his return? Israel, the Jewish people, took control of Jerusalem. That's another sign. How do we know that we're in the time of his return? That the gospel would be preached to every people, every nation, every ethnic group in their language. Just a few decades ago, there was about 7,000 unreached people groups. We're down to 1,500. Just know that. Over the last 50 years, more Muslims have come to the Lord than all of history. 51% of Africa is born again. That's a, profound, that's, 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 that's a profound achievement of the kingdom of God. I just want you to know that. 110 million, I've said these stats before, but I, I love listening to them myself. 110 million in China are born again. 24 million are estimated to be, 24 million are estimated to be spirit-filled. I don't know what your background is. When I moved to America, we attended a Methodist church. Then I grew up in a Southern Baptist middle school and high school. My cousin Mark, not my cousin, my nephew Mark, he's attending that same school now. So from our background, we've been part of every kind of church you can imagine, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Bible church. So for us, it doesn't matter about denomination. It matters about the word of God and the person of Jesus Christ, the lordship of Jesus Christ. There's been more Muslims from Syria, Egypt coming to the Lord. When the Arab uprising happened, guess what? The body of Christ gathered. There was a youth conference outside of Cairo in, in, in caves, in these me huge mega caves. 24,000 youth were at those conferences. They're Egyptian. There's more born-again Jewish believers in Israel than the first century right now. So God is on the move, and, and we're coming out of a pandemic. And we're settling in into this, ironically, it's DBS, disciple. This, 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 this kind of discovery Bible study that creates, and God says, I'm going to release disciples. Yeah. They're not just going to have good experiences and a good service, but they're going to become disciples. Do you know DBS is happening in places like Iran? Do you know Iran is the number one fastest growing place for Christianity? Do you know that? Do you know most of those churches are in homes and they're doing DBS? 
Now, we're doing it with believers. They're doing it with unbelievers. The unbelievers are studying stories, and the unbelievers are asking questions, where's God in this? What does he feel about me in this? What should I do? What should I believe in? And they're getting through the Old Testament. They're, go- they're not touching every story. They're just doing stories. And they're going into the New Testament and then discovering Jesus as they share stories. That's how they're getting saved. So I want to encourage you, God is on the move. The church is moving around you, FYI. The body of Christ globally, we are not a body of Christ that's only at the bridge, only at Pihop, only in Pasadena. No, you're part of a greater body of Christ. Lauren Cunningham, many years ago, he's the leader of Youth with a Mission. It's one of the largest, at least short-term missions organizations in human history. They've had millions of short-term missionaries. He had a dream where he was in California, and in the dream, he saw the Pacific Ocean, and there was, there was thousands upon thousands of missionaries coming out of the ocean, and they were being sent out into the nations. The Lord woke him up and said, I'm bringing revival back to America. He felt in his heart 87 million in the United States of America would get saved, and a million of them in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles would be home to at least 200,000 missionaries. So I want to encourage you that God has been speaking about the coming revival. It's going to go, it's going to get darker and more difficult. And in this hour when, when when we experience extreme darkness, God is wanting to raise up a generation that's bright that walks in his power, that walks in his grace and truth. Do you know that the end times is the greatest hour for the body of Christ? Did you know that? As God allows more shakings, we just played the video of the church in Ukraine. In the midst of the shaking, when the army invades, guess what they do? They do Psalm 27. One thing I ask is to gaze upon the beauty of God. When, you're, when they were playing that video and they were singing and they were waiting on the Lord, they're gazing upon his beauty. Because when an army begins to take siege of your country, of your city, all you've got is the presence of God. For all of your military, all of your civilian support, all you have is God's presence. So God is saying, will you take hold of this hour? So I want to encourage you, though we feel sleepy, we feel like we have that Laodicean. So Revelation 2 and 3, there's all of these churches that are mainly in in, uh, Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And God, during the first century, he had messages for those churches. And the Laodicean church, there's a church called Laodicea, it's in Turkey. He said that you're lukewarm. To the church in Ephesus, he says, you've lost your first love. You know who was part of the pastoral staff at Ephesus? Do you know who that was? Timothy, mentored by Paul. You know who also came and spoke there? The apostle John. Remember the one who leaned on Jesus, who's all about love? Remember who, who also was taking care of, uh, who Timothy was taking care of? Mary, the mother of Jesus. So you've got Paul mentoring Timothy. Mary's taking care of the mother of Jesus, Timothy himself, and the apostle John. By, by the time 
John is at the latter part of his, his life, and he's on the Isle of Patmos, and he gets that revelation. Jesus says to him, tell Laodicea that you're lukewarm. And by the way, go back and also make sure your old church knows that Ephesus, they've left their first love. Can you imagine? You're John, and you're at the end of your life, and you're hearing that the church I preached at has let go the first commandment. Do you know that the book of Ephesus, I've been to the, the, the site of Ephesus. Ephesus was like New York City. It was the cultural center of the old world. There was a revival in Jerusalem. There was a revival in Antioch, but there was a, even a bigger one in Ephesus. The Bible declares in the book of Acts, it says the word of God prevailed in that part of Asia. Think about that. The word of God prevailed. It's like saying in your brain, the word of God has prevailed over Manhattan. That's profound. And Timothy's there, and Paul visits there. And Paul is mentoring Timothy. Then the mother of Christ is there. She's part of your, you know, we, we make fun of like, there's our youth, these are our kids, there's our elderly. She's there. She's an elderly woman at your church. Can you imagine the mother of Christ? And John the Apostle speaks at that place. They suffered persecution. They had tremendous revival. But in the midst of the busyness, they lost first love. So one of the things I want us to pray about in terms of the gospel is, God, get me back to first love. Because I was really praying through this message. I know we could do an old, like, I grew up in a Baptist church. I'm Baptist. Like, I got married in, my, in a Baptist church. So I came to L.A. in 2009. Um, I got the gift of tongues when I was 19. I've been part of PIHOP's uh, full-time staff since August 2011. And I chose, and I feel like the Lord led me and Stephanie to get married at Park City's Baptist Church. So I know what the American church experience feels like like the mainstream American church experience. It's not just house of prayer or those Pentecostals and Charismatics, those prophetic people. No, I got married in a church where they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. So I just want you to know that. Amen? Why? Because they're part of the body of Christ, and I'm never going to let them go. Because we're all part of the body of Christ. And today, I want us to get a vision of when I see believers from Pasadena, I'm at the bridge, but somebody's at Epicenter. They're part of the body of Christ, and God has called us to this city of Pasadena. God has called us. You may not be the Billy Graham. Guess what? 99% of church history will not be like Billy Graham. Just remember that. that. That is not the case. There is an outpouring in Acts 2, but there's a greater outpouring coming for the, for the generation of his return. Part of DBS, part of this community, is we're preparing for the return of Christ. We're preparing for revival. And the thing is, we can't be ashamed that we got only two or three to influence. Most of church history is your family, a few circle of friends, a small community, and the two or three. And then they're going to minister to the two or three. Just remember that. As far as big crusades and stadium Christianity, that's only like 1%. So don't, don't put the standard all the way up to Reinhard Bonnke. He had 400,000 in crusades in Africa. No, we're talking about the gospel 
is the good news of Christ, and I'm responsible to share it. Amen? All right. I felt like we had to get through that emotional whirlwind. We had to kind of fight it out. Because I want us to know, like, okay, God's called me to my church family. God's called me to my own physical family, my family of origin and the family that I'm part of right now. And then God's called me. You know, they always say where you work and play, right, where you stay at home. So God's called me. But the, the problem with this, the problem with evangelical Christianity is we want to do everything that's right. We want to do everything that's accurate. That sounds really good. What we need is a Holy Spirit's presence. There's a lot of people with understanding in their brains, and they don't do a darn thing. I grew up that way. The pandemic happened. Church was shut down. We had to be responsible for church ourselves, and guess what? We chose Netflix instead. Isn't that true? I wasn't the only one struggling with that. Yes, there was more people, right? I watched the Formula One entire series, David. All seasons. Couldn't let it go. I thought the Lord was breathing on it, but it was just my own breath. You must watch more. These Europeans have to race in these cars. With their little accents, they got all these problems. The pandemic showed us that a lot of our church, I'm talking about the American church at large, is irrelevant. A third of the church walked away from their normal services and congregations. A third, another one-third says, I want to do it differently. So the issue is not like, okay, we need to preach the Bible harder. The, the issue is the Bible, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through the word and we're not taking time to have a conversation with him. We're not taking time to receive from him. One of the things that's a prerequisite for the gospel is I've got to have a love that only Jesus has for the lost. Most of us have a love for each other. Most of us have a love for ourselves. It's very hard to have a love for broken and people who are hurting. Weak and flawed people. And we are weak and flawed. So one of the things uh, this, this afternoon is I want us to, to ask the Holy Spirit for strength to begin to love the way he does. And again, it starts with whoever's in our family who are already believers. Saying, can I pray for them? Can I give them a word of encouragement? When somebody's physically hurting like Rachel, her toe, we prayed for her. Because I'm not just going to process, process that with my brain. No, I have partnership with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go ahead and get out of our seat because it's prayer time. And we're going to lay hands on her little Adidas shoes. Do you get that? We want to move with the Spirit. There's many opportunities in your life to say, you know what? Somebody told me a prayer request. I'll pray for them later. Guess what? You'll never do it. No, that's, that's totally true. Most of the time we never do it. Oh, we'll do it some other time. Oh, I don't know how to pray. I'm going to make her feel uncomfortable. We made her take off her shoe and test it. I had to see what kind of socks she was wearing. I was like, I'm getting close to the Hanson family. I'm like rubbing her foot. We have to engage with the Holy Spirit. 
We really do. I just have to say again, things are getting worse. But the church is going to come out of compromise. You know, Ephesus and Laodicea, they were great at programs. They were great at resisting heretics. They were great at resisting uh, just overt sin. They were great at serving the poor. But they lost their intimacy with Christ. Because they got so busy doing all those wonderful things. If you don't have his presence, tell me what's going to happen with the program. Our friend's church, yeah, burnout. Our friend's church, Cornerstone Church in the Bay Area, had 5,000 before 2020. Now they're down to 300. Think about that radical change for the staff, for the families. God is shaking everything that can be shaken so that the unshakableness of Jesus would remain. The difficulty that you have experienced, it's unto you getting closer to Jesus. It's unto you saying, God, I need your love. And then it's unto us saying, I'm being intimate with God. He's shaking things, and I don't know why he does it, but the question is, will I trust his leadership in the midst of the suffering that he allows? And then in the midst of that suffering that he allows, he begins to give us supernatural joy and peace. He begins to fill us with that Colossians 1, that he's filling us with knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Then he begins to open our eyes to what he's doing around us. So that's one of the things for for this afternoon is I've got to get to the place of saying, God, I know you're allowing difficulty and suffering. And I myself, I'm weak and flawed. I struggle. So how can he use me? I'm not equipped. It's not my personality. This is a hard time for me. I'm getting resettled after the pandemic. I'm telling you, there will always be excuses in your life. But God, his intimacy, his close relationship with you, that door is open. Some of you have great dreams in Hollywood. That when I get the Oscar, I just want to thank my pastor, Dennis. I want to thank Uncle Daniel in New Hyde Park, Long Island. I want to thank my, just my offensive line coach in eighth grade. Those are, would those be the three that I thank? Dennis is like, I'll Venmo you that Nike card. Um, but God is saying, will you pray for your friend at DBS who's got a small headache? I know you want to hit the line at Urban Plates after church, but will you take a moment and give a word of encouragement to somebody two rows behind you? Oh, someone's having a conversation with you. They're beginning to open up their heart. You know why that's happening, by the way? It's because the Holy Spirit's at work in the midst of conversations. And just a little bit of the slowdown, just say, hey, I want to encourage you for, I want to thank you for sharing that with me. Can we pray? about that. And one of the things you can always do is pray for God's power and God's love. Just always remember that. One of the things that's important to me about evangelism, let's put up uh, Matthew 28. Um, Amen. April Langley. Amen. So verse 16, (laughs) then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Let's move on. Amen. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Isn't that interesting? 
Do you know the brother of Jesus had problems believing in Jesus? Do you know that? Isn't that wild? Think about it. You've led a stellar life in elementary school. You've been without sin in middle school. That's hard to do. I I was unraveling in middle school. Emotionally and mentally and dietarily. Um, Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's showing them the resurrected Christ. He's showing himself as resurrection power. And he's saying all authority has been given. I've conquered death, hell, and the grave. I died so I could purchase a bride. Do you know that we're called a bride? The church at large is called a bride. It means we have access to God's emotions. We have access to his covenant relationship with us. We're forever going to be his partner. Do you know that he woos you? He calls you to himself even when you're weak, when you're struggling in sin? Do you know that he loves you at every stage of development, spiritual development in your life? Do you see how profound that is? That we're a co-heir with Christ and all authority has been given to him and he's sharing that with us. You know, God is love. Love has to be shared. So he's giving this message before he's about to go to his father. You know, Jesus is a patient man. He's sitting next to his father and he's been sitting there for 2,000 years. This gospel, April Lamb, this gospel, Langley, thank you. (laughs) Vinny's desire to be accurate. This gospel, he was sitting on it for 30 years. Think about it. Jesus is the most capable person, and he's sitting on all of that capability for 30 years. Because he was waiting for when the Father would, would lead him at the right time. Think about that. Think about it as a 12-year-old, as a 20-year-old, 28-year-old. He's watching a, a lame man over there. He's watching somebody demon-possessed over here. And he has to wait for the right time. Think about that. That's a lot of self-control. He knew that he had to wait for his right time. He's up in heaven with the Father. And he sees all of the Father's desires. And he sees the Father's desires for us, the church. And he sees the Father's desires for the, for the lost. And he's making intercession. You know, intercession is not a calling. It's something you're, you're told to do. It's, it's, not a, it's not a gift of the Spirit. You have to do it. Jesus lives to make intercession. Think about that. He's resurrected, fully empowered. He's glorified, and he's praying. Think about that. Think about how many plans that Jesus has for revival. Think about that. But he's waiting these 2,000 years, and he's using a weak and flawed church. You know, he picks the lowly. Do you know that? You're like, AJ, I don't know if I'm outspoken as you, as angry as you. We don't understand your ethnicity. That must be anger. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's something to get healing about. Um, but God is saying, I use weak and flawed human beings. That your little small is big to God. 
Your small effort, your small act of faith is very big to God. So let's look at verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciple of all nations. That's going to be difficult. Do you know there's mean people in the United States? There's mean people in North Afghanistan. There's mean people in Hollywood. But God is saying, I want you to make disciples of all nations, and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's go to verse 20. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and and surely I am with you always till the very end of the age. You have the Holy Spirit. When is it ever better for Jesus to say, it's better that I go? David, King David, Elijah, they had the word of God. They had anointing for ministry, but they didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them for ministry. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit. The holy of holies, all of God is in your spirit. And what's happening right now is we're coming out of a pandemic and our mind, will, and emotions, the soul needs deep renewal. And they're shaking all around us with the elections, with the civil unrest, with the police, you know, the police abuse, the, the brutality, with Ukraine, what's happening in the Middle East, all this stuff. And we can easily either check out and go get comfort somewhere else. Or we can also say, all right, God, you're saying something in the shaking. God is calling America, calling America to wake up. This is a great nation. This, this experiment has never been done before, by the way, a melting pot like this. We have the nations in the United States. We have the nations in Los Angeles. The nations are represented in this congregation right now. And God is saying, do you see where you're at? Do you see where you are on the calendar? Because he's coming soon. And, and, and I want to say this morning, God, touch my heart with what breaks your heart. God, touch my heart with what you're seeing and doing. And I know a lot of times when we talk about evangelism, we're talking about preaching the gospel and sharing and debating. But you know what also God wants us to do is to move in his power and his love. So let me tell you a story. That way you'll get a breather. I don't want you to be emotionally exhausted. Um, YWAM Denver had come to Pie Hop, and this was, I think, in December. We went about... Um, in Old Town, Pasadena, to pray for people. We come across a man who had just divorced his husband. And we came across that man, and he was also experiencing an identity crisis in terms of his biology. So I, um, we were praying for him. He begins to cry and get touched. I'm not preaching right now at this guy to get saved. I just want him to experience God's presence. Is it okay for unbelievers just to experience the goodness of Jesus? Is it okay for people with hurting bodies, where they're struggling in their identity, just to experience the supernatural power of Jesus? And is it okay that we do it in a way where we get out of the way? And they just have an experience with Jesus. So we're down, we're up the street from Copa Vida. There's an art supply store there. He begins to cry and weep. 
And he says, my, my grandmother was murdered. And I'm still dealing with that. And I'm going through this divorce. Again, I have disagreements about his life choices, but that's not the point. That's really not the point in that moment. In that moment, I just need Jesus. He says, I've been a Roman Catholic my whole life. Never knew how to practice it. I know some great Catholic believers who are spirit-filled, who are on fire. But his parish, just his own life, he had never really experienced much of God's presence. So he starts weeping and crying. When somebody's weeping and crying, we say, God, I want more of your presence to come right now. So we prayed. Then we gave him a prayer. And he asked the Holy Spirit, he said, Holy Spirit, show me what, what Jesus is like. Show me what you see and feel about Jesus. I want to know him. We told him about a local church in his area, gave him some information because it's good to get plugged into a family. We were walking to our uh, car, and we were walking by the Apple Store in Colorado, and this woman gets up out of her car, and she, I don't know how she got that parking space. Anyway, she parks in front of Apple. She's getting on the, she's stepping on the curb, and she has a little paint. I was like, hey, what's going on with your body? I'm the type of person, my parents, they're going to ask you right away, like, what's happening? They're not going to beat around the bush. I'm not American from North Carolina or whatever. <laughs> I, I, they sing songs. They have lemonade. They, they do all kinds of stuff. My parents get to the heart of it. She's like, oh, my body's hurting. I said, hey, we're from a church in Pasadena. Do you mind if we pray? We're just out here sharing the love of Jesus. So we start praying. I said, can you test it out? And she feels a whole lot better. Yeah. Because most of what people are hungry for is Jesus real. Because once they experience his power, they'll be like, let's talk more about it. Once they experience his love, then they say, all right, let's talk more about it. Two healings happened that I knew about this past week. So my friend Joy, she's, she's, uh, she just had a birthday. She's either 28 or 29. She's a Taiwanese believer. For 17 years, so she's like 28 or 29. Think about this. For 17 years, she struggled with a migraine. I was praying with her, and I said, you know what? I don't know what's going on with you, but God's cleaning you out. He's doing a supernatural clean. And you're going to feel like it's like a vomiting out. Like whatever is deep inside the pain, the residue of trauma is coming out. Following day, she just physically vomits. Migraines have left, not have come back. She's completely healed. Is that wild? It's interesting how that happens. There's a girl named Melania. I texted Dennis about this. Found this out on Thursday night. Her family was born in Iran, but they're ethnically Armenian, okay? Armenians are spread everywhere. Why? Because they were one of the first Christian nations on the planet. And when they experienced persecution, they had to run. So she's from Iran, but she now lives in Glendale. And she says, uh, the doctor said that I have a small esophagus. I can't properly drink or eat. A lot of times I just have to throw up uh, drinking just normal water or eating. We were praying, and um, she went home. She had a rash on the side of her face, but she's just pressed in and prayed. She got healed. 
She dealt with that for two years. She couldn't drink properly water. That's how much she struggled. She's saying, now I'm reaching out um, to my, my cousin who has gender confusion, who's struggling with suicide. See, what God does in you, he wants to do through you. And God is saying, I want to give you an experience with my presence. I don't want you just to have knowledge or understanding. When you learned that Jesus was going to be your Lord and Savior, it had to be an experience with the person. You have to invite the person into your heart. It's a relationship with the person. And, to, and this morning, I want to encourage you, let's go back to the heart of Jesus. And saying, you know what? I'm kind of stuck. I feel numb. I don't know if I have a heart to go reach out to people. I don't, know, I don't know if I have the energy or the know-how. But God is saying, hey, if you begin to experience my love, love is going to conquer a lot of issues. Part of the reason why I have prayed for people is just because I felt the love of God for them. That's the, one of the main reasons. One of the main reasons is I can't let go of God's love. That's not something I naturally gravitate towards. Me and Maddie, we fight all the time. Like, I don't, I'm not a lover of people. Neither is he, actually. He's working on it, too. We're accountability partners. He's very cute. He's very handsome. He looks very loving. But we're working on it at a heart level, FYI. So when you think about me and Maddie, pray for us. But one of the things we have to go back to is like, God, show me what you see and feel about those around me, those that you're putting in, in, in my day. And I know that's a hard step. And, and, and one of the things I, wanna, I want us to pray about, let's just all stand. And I want to take time to let the Holy Spirit minister. We're going to invite the worship team back on. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, just as they play light instrumental, we're just going to pray for a moment. Then they're going to lead us into some worship. One of the things I felt this morning is we're the bridge church. We're a bridge. We're a connection to Jesus. Do you know that? You're the only path right now for some people in your life. And God is saying, I use the meek and humble. And some of you, just like me, sometimes you feel small. You're like, God, I'm in a big world. I'm overwhelmed with my own life. I don't have a good sense of identity or purpose. But God is saying, I love to work with that which is small and weak. When Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, described his kingdom, he said, my kingdom is like a pearl. It's like leaven. It's like a mustard seed. What king describes his kingdom as being that small? So if you feel small, I feel like this morning God is saying, let me touch your life. Let me bring my bigness to your smallness. Let me begin with just fresh love. Because I need to show you that I love you. I don't want you to do it religiously. I want you to do it out of love. Because love has to be shared. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just take a moment for the Lord to move upon our hearts. Father, we just pray that you would stir us again. Yes, we pray, Father, that you would stir us with faith. We pray for urgency in this hour. Many are looking for an answer, oh God. We say, God, we want to be your hands and feet. 
You've called us to the marketplace. You've called us to your family, to our family. You've called us to this church. You've called us outside of this church. We want to get your heart. We want to get a burning heart for the lost. We want to get a burning heart for those around us. And Lord, we just feel weakness. Yeah, we feel there's certain parts of our heart that are cold and calloused. So we say, Holy Spirit, come again. Bring that living flame of love. Help me to, help me to see beyond myself, beyond my own life, beyond my own prayer list. We ask Jesus that you would give us strength in this hour. Thank you, Lord. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's someone in the room, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. We always want to make a moment for that, a time for that. No worries. If everyone's a believer, there's nothing. That's great. But I want to always, especially if any young people are in here or anybody like that. Also wanted to let the Holy Spirit move upon just the coldness of our hearts. If you're like, AJ, I feel cold. I don't feel alive in the Lord. I don't, I don't feel like I have the energy. Sometimes I, I want to, but I'm just not feeling it. I need Holy Spirit fire. I need a baptism of God's love. Yeah, touching my soul. Just raise your hand if that's you. If you're just struggling to get past yourself, just raise your hand up high. Thank you, Lord. Just a few people. Amen. Father, we just pray for release of Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit presence on our mind, will, and emotions. That you would empower us to get past ourselves. We pray, God, I pray for myself, God, that you would touch cold, callous places, that you would tenderize our hearts for those that are around us, for the lost around us. And some of you, I feel like God is saying, hey, I want to release healing in your life, that you would pray for the sick and they would get healed. I want to release deliverance in your life, that you would see people being delivered out of demonic oppression, demonic oppression, all of that. Raise your hand if that's you. You're like, God, I need a baptism of fire. Yeah, Father, we just pray for a release of Holy Spirit power. We say, God, use me to partner with you to demonstrate the Father's glory. We say, God, use us. And Father, we pray just for our congregation, our church family. Yes, Jesus, show us what you see and feel. Give us fresh power and understanding, God, to engage with you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're working in our midst. You have an answer to the crisis in the nations. And it's your church. Father, I pray for power over those that are in this room, those that are watching online. We pray for Holy Spirit power to lay hands and the sick would be healed. To lay hands and the sick would be completely made whole. We pray for many in this room that they would experience Holy Spirit power as they share Jesus as they share the gospel, the very person of Jesus, we pray that many would get saved. I just felt that verse from Daniel 
that the righteous, that you would be as bright as, as the stars of the sky, that you would lead many to righteousness, that you would be as bright as the stars at night. And I feel like at our Bridge Church, at our church, He's raising up bright and radiant ones. So Father, we pray that you'd break out with your light. Yeah, the light of your face, the light of your presence, God. We pray that we would soak it in, we would receive in this hour, and that we would be bright and shining lampstands, bright and shining stars in a wicked and perverse generation, that many would be led to righteousness. Many would see healing and transformation in their lives. Thank you, Lord. Let's just worship. Let the Lord just minister to you because he's called you. He's chosen you. He's not going to do it without you. There's no accident that you're watching online, you're physically here. We were praying about this message. We were praying about what God was going to do this morning. And I, and I feel like God's saying, there's no accident. I have called you. I have chosen you. You are mine. I take full ownership of your life. Give me an inch and I'll take it a mile. Give me an inch and I'll take a mile. Let me in. I just feel like the Lord just saying, let me in. Let me be the Lord over that place of fear. Let me be the Lord over that place where you struggle. Because God wants to use you. Let's just worship. <laughs>